the Grow Your Side Business Podcast, the number one show for corporate professionals building side businesses. My name is Chris Williams and I'm your host and I'm so thankful that you decided to tune into today's show. Listen, this podcast is for you. If you're building a side business as a corporate professional, we're here to show you stories, share people's real life experiences, the ups and the downs, and more importantly, real tips that you can leverage today. Let's go ahead and jump into today's very own show. You do not want to miss this. Buckle up, get a pad and a pen, and I promise you, you're going to learn so much in today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to some, present to others, my guest, Chris Elmore. Chris, how are you, man? man? Uh, it'd be great if you could do like a, an applause. Yeah, I'll, I'll add the applause in there for a little special <laughs> Chris, effect, I'm right? doing great. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. And then let me do one thing real quick. Absolutely. Let me pat you on the back a little bit. Okay. Are you okay? Are you good with that? Uh, I, I, okay. I, that hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> yeah. let's, let's, let's because, because here's the reason why is because I think this notion of baby boomers communicating to millennials is absolutely genius. Ah, okay. Yeah, and I don't know <laughs> I, I don't know how much of a fundamental that idea that is to what you do, but um, how'd you come up with that? So he's interviewing me now, people, just so you guys can tell. So um, is, that, is that not cool? Uh, no, 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 it's fine. Because I, 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 do, I have been known to flip the script a little bit. <laughs> it, it's fine. So um, the way it came up was for me, just in short here, was that um, I've had my own experiences when I was young in my corporate career. And I remember having trouble at a certain level. I was young and really excelling yeah. and kind of feeling like there was a ceiling. And somebody pulled me to the side who was a great uh, mentor of mine and said, hey, it's not your fault. It's just the fact that you're young. Yeah. And people are afraid of what they don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And as I began to do research and all my speaking and training, I realized that this was really a thing. I didn't realize that it was a generational thing. So millennials who are now taking over management, yeah. upper management, and yeah. sometimes like senior executive positions yeah. in companies, but then also baby boomers who are also facing a shared transition where baby boomers who are leaders are realizing that I have to give this over at some point. Some are resistant to it. Some don't want to do it, yeah. right? But here's what I found very interesting and part of the reason why I'm interested in talking to you today is the institutional knowledge that is lost because we either resist to give away information yeah. to, to help find a successor and groom people properly, yeah. but then also how much it costs the company to lose that when that yeah. person walks yeah. out of the door. Yeah. Or we try to stick a straw in that person's head and hope that within the six to eight months that they raise their hand to say they're retiring, yeah. we get everything out of them. Yeah. And what I realize is, is that the visual. It, it's, it's, <laughs> but it's, it's difficult, right? Yeah. And so it makes it hard on the new person trying to absorb all that information. Yeah. But then if you have a resistant person who's not wanting to give up a whole lot, yeah. right? And not wanting to share those intangibles, then they walk out of the door with more than just 25, 30 years of experience. They walk out with institutional knowledge that is invaluable to the company moving forward. And that's what I care about. Yeah. Because I realize that millennials are today and the future. They're shaping it with the help of Xers, <laughs> right? But millennials have introduced a very, um, millennials have introduced a very interesting disruption because native digital, that's all you have to say. <laughs> native digital, that did not happen prior to millennials. Yeah. So it just creates this new way of thinking, uh, new irritants, 
I would say new abrasions that kind of happen in boardrooms today because millennials see an easier way to do things. While sometimes boomers look at it and go, well, we've never done it. That yeah, way. we did. Yeah, okay. it's always worked this way. I was working with a, I was working with a bank that is a subsidiary there in Florida, and their kind of like corporate bank is in Spain. And okay. the corporate bank in Spain was founded in like 1406. Wow! And could you imagine being part of a company that goes that far back? So when someone says we've never done it that way, <laughs> they really mean it. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I, I was watching uh, Seth uh, Godin, who, who's an exceptional genius of a person. I mean, everything from writing Lynchpin and all the books that he's done and his blogs worldwide. He, he said something recently on an interview that I saw, and he talked about how uh, because things are changing, um, it's hurting the ability to innovate because so many people are so staunch to the way they've done things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for, he gave this really cool example. He said when Henry Ford had a factory, he needed that many people yeah. to run the factory. Yeah. Today, I don't need that many people yeah. on an assembly line because no. I got robots, yeah. I got technology, yeah. I have more efficient ways of doing things. So what does that do to the average worker, the, the way of thinking, right? Yeah. And so he talked all about the changes to education. All you know, there's a, there's a name for that. What's that? It's called creative destruction. And so creative destruction, okay. and so what, and we study this in my class. Interesting. So I teach at UNCC and Queens. I teach entrepreneurship okay. and innovation. And so creative destruction is when um, innovation automates or, or innovation pushes out either task in jobs or whole jobs. Wow. And um, the reason why I teach it in my class is because if you can understand what creative destruction is and then you know, apply it to your product. I'll give you an example. At Avid Exchange, when we automate the accounting process, we free up 8,000 hours. That's 8,000 hours that goes wow. back to the company. Interesting. And then now what they do with that 8,000 hours, the interesting thing is, well, it's true, there are certain tasks that you just won't have to do anymore. Right. But the thing that people don't realize is, yeah, those, those people won't do those tasks, but what they do is they go on to do more important things. Right. And that's actually how we sell the software. Interesting. We sell the software based on the fact that it generates time. Mm. And so the questions, so tech entrepreneurs, as far as my voice can reach, <laughs> they, they, they do the same thing over and over again that just irritates me to no end. And that is they concentrate way too much on the software, the app, okay. the thing. Right and not the impact that the thing has. Interesting, wow. So if you think about huh. that, yeah. If wow. you think about that, the, whatever the thing is and whatever the thing does and whatever the impact is, is always more valuable than the thing. Interesting. Always. So, so, so let's, let's, let's talk about that with Avid Exchange. Let's, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Let, let's, let's go before- Do we have to? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to help our, our audience understand like the, I think one of the things is when somebody looks at you today and they yeah. see this interview, yeah, they see this end product, the, the yeah. version of end yeah. today, right? Yeah, they don't realize like what it, yeah, how how this thing kind of evolved, right? Yeah, yeah. they don't see the entrepreneur's journey to get into here today, yeah. right? And so I, I want to let's let's even go back it, to I go all the way back. I give you a couple. Of, yeah, well, you want to go fa further than that? I, I would say let's maybe even just start with. How did Avid Exchange start as an idea? What, what, what was the thing you were looking to solve for at the moment? 
Well, so now, first of all, just real quick. So here's a couple of, here's, here's who we are today. Our value is 1.4 billion. Okay. Which that's pretty good. That's awesome. <laughs> and then we, um, we, we generate about this year's goal is like 129 million. Okay. Last year's was 100. The year before that was 50. The year before that was 25. Okay. You get the point. You right. see how the ramp goes. Right. And um, and we're aiming for 350. Okay. And that's that's kind of in our that's in our wheelhouse. Uh, we have 1,200 employees and we're the ninth largest fintech financial technology company in the country right now. Wow. And but here's the thing that I love to tell people. Hopefully this will tell you how super rare this is. And um, we're known as what's called a business unicorn. You, you know what a business unicorn is? Yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> it's, a, it's any company that has a, a value over a billion that's privately held, which, right. is, which is who we are. Right. But here's the thing that most people don't know about a business unicorn, is that you're three times more likely to make the NFL than you are to create a business unicorn. <laughs> That's Isn't true. that crazy? 90% of all business unicorns are in Silicon Valley. Okay. So we have yeah. one here right in Charlotte, North Carolina. Which is hard to pull off. It's crazy hard to pull off. And so I like to baseline that by saying it didn't start like that. Right. So it right. started, so it was, it was five of us. Mm -hmm. And now... All five of us were connected, and the other thing about all five of us were we weren't friends. Mm. We weren't roommates, we weren't buddies. Now, we weren't adversaries or enemies, but it's one thing that I like for people to think about when they start thinking about starting their company is that you have to have a partner. Yeah. You have to have a couple of partners at best because that's always that give and take. And um, Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And one of the things that we didn't do very well with, which I think we suffered, is that we weren't real diverse. Mm. You know, we were a bunch of college-educated white guys. Okay. And entrepreneurs never put too much on diversity because they're just trying to get the bills paid. Right, right. And, it's something, and, that, and that's like something, well, that can come later. Right, right. But um, it, it probably would have been better if we would have mixed it up just a little mm, bit. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Because that would have been part of our fabric. But anyway... We had an idea to um, we had an idea to create a real estate exchange, which meant that we wanted to uh, court and woo suppliers to come on our website and sell to real estate property managers. Okay. So here, this is my favorite story about the early days. Our very first pitch was in New York City. We got this meeting with this guy, and he was a huge venture capitalist. Okay. In all the ways that you can think of a huge New York City venture capitalist would be. Right. And he asked us the name of our company, and we said, it's Avid Exchange. And he said, I guess all the good names have been taken. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so guess how much we raised? Zero. Zero, yeah. <laughs> so we were forced, which is really good. By the way, the company is here today because we raised zero. Mm. Um, People can get money at people get money at the wrong time from the wrong person for the wrong reason will kill their business. Interesting. Even in the first, even in the first fifteen hires, if you hire someone who's toxic, can kill the business. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Culture is so important. It's incredibly important. 
So what we were forced to do was sell our software mm. and nobody wanted it. So mm. we changed it and we, we said, well, how about this one? And nobody wanted it. And we changed it for third time is what? Third time is the, the charm. It's, well, this was a failure too. Oh, this was a failure. <laughs> I wish it was. So we had a third offering we sent out to the marketplace and the market said, place said, forget it. Okay. And that was two years. And so if you think about those three in failures, I, mean, I can come back to that because I don't believe in failure. Right. You know, and if you think about those three products in the marketplace saying no thanks, um, it, here's the great thing about failure. And the great thing about failure is for some reason, you know when you start something and maybe you're with your buddies or you're with your, your wife or your spouse or whatever, and you're like, I got this great idea. And they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. We're going to take on the world. I call that fluff. Right, right. So you got all this fluff. And the great thing about three failures in two years is you have no more fluff. Right, The right. fluff is gone. <laughs> and so we had three goals. And I remember, I remember it clear as I was sitting here right here talking about them. And the first goal was we wanted to create a piece of software people were willing to buy. Right. Now that's something that tech entrepreneurs and a lot of entrepreneurs just miss. Mm -hmm. Is that they want to create something that maybe is cool or something that they like. Something that people already know about. <laughs> There's a lot to that. And, 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 you know, we can talk about idea creation because when you create, when you take something that is already being done, you've commoditized yourself to the point where you have no margin for error. Mm -hmm. And so when you're truly innovative, you have huge margins for error. Interesting. Because you're defining the market. Right. right. So anyway, here we are. We wanted to create a piece of software people were willing to buy. We wanted to create a piece of software that people were willing to buy at a high price mm -hmm. because of this uh, impact, not greed. Okay. So we felt like if it was a high price, it would have a big impact. Mm -hmm. Not because we want to get rich. Right, right. Entrepreneurs that want to get rich within six weeks usually go, you know, Bob's back up. to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tell you, the first, the first year we were in business, I got my car repo, oh, which wow. was a uh, Nissan Altima. So that's like Whoa. two strikes. That's the most affordable car in the world. That's right. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> but it... But let me ask you a question. In sure. That, because it, it's fascinating. So three times... As you said, you, it's unique in the way you worded it. The market said no. The market said no, yeah. Did you feel like that was a personal rejection? Like, how, how did that hit you for three times for you guys to put something together, invest your time, money, and energy in, put it out there for the world, and people said no? Because I'm sure eventually now your associates start looking at you going... Okay, he's got, I don't know what's his problem. But. Well, it's not, the associates aren't <laughs> as bad as your family. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. My, my family and my in-laws were just, part of them were digging it because they just love to see us struggle. And then right. the, other, the other part was like, what are you doing? Just get it together. <laughs> right. Go get a, know, job. get a job. Yeah, get a job. <laughs> Go get a job. You know, um, I hope this sticks with someone because this, mm -hmm. was, this was, looking back, I see it now. Then... I didn't understand how powerful it was, but looking back, I see how powerful this is. And people ask me all the time, well, how did you, in the middle of all that mess, how did you get up? How did you go to work? Right. You know, and the answer is I felt like I was doing something important. Okay. And you had a why. I did. I had you, a big You, you but, had a why. But I didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. And so that was that kind of that inner, that inner thing was, you know, I don't know what it is, but I'm, it's, you know, I'm sure it's really big. Mm -hmm. But um, I felt like I was doing something important. 
I felt like if I would have gone, you know, no disrespect to the bank, because I think about that all the time. I felt like if I was go to work, well, first of all, I don't think that happens. I didn't, really have, <laughs> I didn't have discernible skills. I have, a, I have a degree in history museum studies, so we're not talking about lighting the world on fire. Right, yeah. right. But, uh, by the way, great degree for an entrepreneur. Really good. Interesting. Any, any liberal arts is yeah. a fantastic degree for entrepreneurs. And I'm a fan of history. So. There you go. Yeah, That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but... I felt like I was doing something important. I felt like we were working towards something that would be meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have, I didn't think it would be a billion dollar company. That was not even, people say, well, can you, can you believe where you are today? And the answer is, the funny thing is, I don't know, hopefully this comes across okay. It's like that friend that you hadn't seen for months and they put on a lot of weight. And you're like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> but all the people around them are like, no, that's just, oh, what's right, his name? You right, know? right, right, right. Because they right. see him every single they see day. every day. That's yeah, right. that's the that's way right. Avid is. It's yeah. like the friend that you haven't seen that, that put on a lot hilarious. of weight. That's funny. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, but at, at, at year two, you would think there are three failures. But the way that I, I, the way that it was perceived at the moment was, wasn't failures. They were, well, that just didn't work. Right, right, right. And 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 that didn't bother me at all. It was mm -hmm. kind of like trying something. It's not like we put our heart and soul into it. Right. I mean, we put enough into it to see if it would work. But we always had the notion that we ought, we got so the goals something that people were willing to buy, and the market said no. So goal number one, we got to stick to goal number one. Willing to buy, buy at a premium, and then stick with us. We wanted a product that people would just use and use and use and use. Right. So here's what happened. Off the back of the third quote-unquote failure, mm -hmm. one of our customers, who I think they just did business with us because they felt sorry for us, <laughs> he said, he's Atlanta, Georgia, he said, you've created a problem for me. I requisition online, and then you send me a paper invoice. And he said, just kind of really off the cuff, is there any way you can digitize the invoice? And they said, well, you know, let's, let's run it through the model here. Is it something people are willing to buy? And he uh -huh. said, yes. And they said, well, would you pay 75 grand for it? And he mm -hmm. said, absolutely. Now, keep in mind, we had only made 60 grand the last two years. Oh, wow. So our reaction to 75 grand was, are you kidding? Right. Is right. this for real? Right. And then 97.7% is our retention rate from that day Whoa. on that product. Wow. Yep. So what if you could find a community of corporate professionals who also have side businesses and we're all just trying to learn from each other and learn how to grow? Well, that's why I'm here. You should join the Grow Your Side Business Challenge. That's right, I want you right now. Go to it right now, growyoursidebusiness.com, and guess what? You can opt into my five-day challenge. One hour per day, you and I are gonna get together with a ton of other community people who, guess what? We're all trying to grow our side businesses, and we wanna know how to do it the right way the first time. Well, guess what? I'm gonna teach you some things that you didn't even know that you should be doing to leverage your corporate day job while also at the same time learning how to build that side business. And you're gonna find out that actually if you do your side business the right way, it will impact the way you show up at work. And I'm gonna show you some things that you didn't even know was possible. So for five days, for one hour a day, you and I get together. Now I got two ways you can experience that. You could jump in to the general admission. Well, guess what? You just get access to the live training right then and there each and every day for one hour a day. Or you could jump into the VIP experience. My VIP people get a chance to actually talk with me, actually ask questions every single day if you would like to before the actual training. So guess what? You wanna jump into the VIP experience because that is where you'll be able to get your questions answered 
and including the actual training live. So go to growyoursidebusiness.com, jump into the challenge, and I look forward to seeing you there. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.